0: He's been faithful, what do you say, amen? And I guess you are here because you're the remnant who are faithful, amen? Tonight a handout is being handed out to you at this time. Um, Have you been blessed tonight so far from this weekend? Let me hear you say amen, amen? I've been so blessed by Pastor Wallace's sermons. I'm so blessed by Pastor McIntosh's sermon. I'm just so blessed to be here with you and honored to be here with you again at SWYC. Well, this is the last presentation, Consecration Service. And tonight's last presentation is entitled Eve's broken bones (laughs) Eve's broken bones emotionally disconnected we're living in a time where we're getting more and more emotionally disconnected from one another this unity in the nation even in the political parties opposite end of the aisle fighting one another but not only in the government, we're seeing it also in our churches. But not only in our churches, we're seeing it also in our homes. But I'm going to focus on our emotional disconnection that's happening here in America. When I say emotional disconnection, I'm really talking about us being emotionally numb to the feelings of those around us. And with that, would you please bow your head with me as we pray. Father, please, Father, please speak through your people and may you grant freedom. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 22 in your Bibles. Genesis chapter 2, verse 22 in your Bibles. Beloved, if there's ever a time when God's church needed unity, then that time is now. What do you say, huh? Amen? I was sitting in a pastor's meeting in my conference, and some representative from the general conference, he was a vice president, came to visit us, and as he shared before his pastors, he stood before us, and this was 10 years ago, and he said, our church is so fragmented. Our church is in such disunity. This is coming from the top now, the general conference, to us pastors 10 years ago. And he said, mark my words. He said, we are, in, we are so fragmented as a church. He said, I don't even know what keeps it together. Of course, we know, right? The church will go through. What do he say? Amen? He said, it's so fragmented. He said, within 10 years, something's going to happen. 10 years has come and gone and you're seeing that things are not getting better in the church in fact you're seeing more fragmentation you're seeing disunity and that's why God allowed and impressed the leadership of SWIC to present the message of one oneness because we need that so much what do you say amen and I'm focusing on emotional disconnection because we are so emotionally disconnected America the Western culture of the United States of America is, ex- compared to even other cultures, ethnic cultures around the world, are extremely emotionally disconnected from one another. We are into individualism, Western individualism, where I'm apart, separate from you. And so, I believe God has a message for us that we need to be connected. You know, we shouldn't follow the cultures of the world. What do you say, Amen. And we shouldn't follow the culture and allow the culture of the world to come into the church of all things. If anything, we should follow the culture of the word of God. What do you say, amen? So tonight we're going to study God's word. I actually think that, okay, I I like to give classes to my members. One of the classes I was thinking about offering was classes on how to have better relationship skills. Because I saw the disunity among the church members. And I saw that they really don't know each other. And so I thought, okay, maybe they don't have good personal skills, and I saw they really don't know how to relate to people out in the world that great. Maybe I should have a class on how to have good personal skills. That should be the solution, and that's probably true, and that's part of it. But then something happened. I'm going to share this story. A couple of years ago, we, I had a call porter program that was running in my church, and this young lady came to my church to visit the call porter program. She wanted to see how it was, so she joined a call porter group for two days and with, after the first day all the call porters well most of them were saying pastor I don't know if we can handle this girl I said really she's really hard to work with I mean she's very stubborn she's um, impatient she's being rude to us and mean and some of them were trying to be really nice to her and so I mean she can't be that bad you know so I met her I went up to her I got talking to her and I realized that they weren't exaggerating I mean she was one of a kind (laughs) and I was connecting her and talking to her and I said man she's really hard so I kind of like okay call Porter's I'll see you guys later okay (laughs) and I let my leader take over so I I left I didn't see her again until the beginning of this year and I was asked to speak in her church actually So I went to her church and I was speaking and I preached again on healing. Healing from your past wounds. Again, I always call for an altar call and pray and anoint with oil. I didn't do that here because there were just too many people here. But I did that and she came forward. I was shocked to see her that she came forward. And so she came forward and I, I was talking to different people and praying and finally she came up to me. And then she said to me, she said that she's been hurt so many times by other people, she's put up boundaries all around her so that she wouldn't be hurt anymore. And because of this, she put up boundaries all around her, she has no close friends. And I thought about it wait a minute, if I just deal with the symptom and give a class to her on how to have better relational skills without solving the root cause of the problem. reasoning from cause to effect, right? It wouldn't solve the problem. You could give her all the classes, but the issue is not her personal skills. Maybe it was her personal skills, but even if you gave her a class, she doesn't want to have those personal skills because she has a wall she built up that she wants to protect her heart from being broken again. Is that clear? Is that clear? Let me say amen. Amen? So we have to go back and we have to pray and ask God to break down that wall. Beloved, we need to have our walls broken down. What do you say? Amen? Forget this individualism. I'm a part separate from you as a person. We need to be united. There was oneness in the church. John chapter 17, that we may be one. Why? That the world may know. In other words, the world's not going to know about Jesus Christ until there's oneness and unity within God's church. What do you say? Amen? And we can preach all we want, we can study the Bible all you want, you can talk all you want, you can do evangelism all you want. But until that unity, that oneness that God is asking for in His church comes into His church, nothing's really going to happen. And it's only going to happen to the the character of God's love. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, When they saw the the disunity within the church and the chaos and speaking in tongues and it was out of craziness, they said they're going to think you're crazy. And then it says, when they see the order in the church, the unity and the order, they're going to fall down with their faces to the ground, it says, remember? And they're going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Isn't that beautiful? So God is calling for oneness and unity within His church. And I want that. Let's look at the story what was Eve made from look at the Bible says in Genesis 22 verse 22 to 24 the Bible says and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man so what was Eve made from Adam from Adam's what rib which was from his bones you think about that word bones verse 23 says and Adam said this is now what bone of my what bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be what one the theme of our conference one flesh so it was when Adam's rib was taken out of Adam, his bone was taken given, and that was what created Eve. And because of that, he said, this is bone of my bones. And they were one. And in other words, bones in the Bible represents connection and oneness and unity and being one. Now we know that when Adam and Eve sinned, they disconnected from each other. And when Adam was called to account for his sin, you know what he did? He blamed his wife. He became disconnected from his wife. It was at the, this point, her bones were broken. There was this unity and distension between them. You see, in fact, there may be even people today who are physically living together in a very same home, husband and wife, parents and children, and they're living together in the same home but yet be emotionally far apart. You think that could happen? Is there ever a time where people need to be emotionally connected with one another? Is there ever a time where God's church needs to be connected with each other? Not just go to a Sabbath and have a false facade and a false image and just say happy Sabbath, but actually a breaking down of the walls where one heart can beat in unison with one another and we can be transparent with one another. What do you say, Amen. You know, transparency is beautiful. You know why? It breaks down walls. Here's the thing about transparency. When I become transparent, it breaks down walls because transparency awakens transparency. And people are willing to open up and talk to me because they know that I open up and talk to them first. And unless you're transparent, you have these walls you build up, this super self-recreated, That's different from the person that you live like at home. There will be no unity within a church. God has called us to be united, but we must break down the walls and be transparent that God has called us. You know, when I preach and I share my story about my dad and the hurts and my life, I share my testimony. You know what that does? It holds me accountable. Because I can no longer pretend to be something I'm not. Because if I try to pretend something I'm not, you're like, hey, wait a minute. I know who you really are because I heard you preach this, what you said about your family and who you are and everything, right? So transparency breaks down the walls of being real with one another. And when we break down the walls, God can do miracles and power in our lives. The thing about it is, in America, we're so stuck on being and pretending. To be something we're not. Revelation chapter 13 talks about that, right? The prophesied that people in the United States in the last days were look like a lamb. They have a super self, an image up there that they want to present before everyone. They look good like a Christian on the outside, but they have the heart of a dragon. So we're prophesied to be fakes in America today. Prophecy has proven and shown to us that we're to be fakes. And a lot of people today in God's church are fake today. We're following the fake culture of the world of prophecy of Revelation 13, and we're applying it to our lives. And we want to keep that super image in front. And we don't want to break it down until we're too broken, and then we open up. It's sad that people leave this conference, and it's still going to be fake. Never healing. Rich and increased with goods, and need of no healing. But God wants us to heal this morning. What do you say, Amen? Now, it was prophesied that not a bone in Jesus' body would be broken. Why was this prophesied? Turn to Ephesians chapter five, verse thirty. Ephesians chapter five, verse thirty in your Bibles. Turn to Ephesians chapter five, verse thirty. Not a bone in Jesus' body would be broken, it was prophesied. Why was this prophesied? Notice what it says in verse 30 to 32. The Bible says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his, what is that word? Bones. Interesting, it says bones again in reference, in parallel to Adam and Eve. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined into his wife and they too shall be what? One flesh. Where did that sound familiar to? Genesis chapter 2 again. Direct parallel. Then it says here, this is a great mystery, but it's a mystery between what Adam and Eve and husband and wife becomes one. That's great, but that's not what I'm talking about. Paul said there's something even more important than the oneness of man and woman. It says here, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the what? church so really Paul is talking about here about Christ the oneness and the unity in other words the same unity that Adam and Eve had the same unity that was expected for a husband and wife is to have is the same unity that God hungers and longs for him to have with his church what do you say amen and he hungers and longs for you and as a body of Christ to be in unity with one another and also with him. Now the Bible says that Christ is the second what? Adam. So if a, if Christ is the second Adam, then his church is the second what? Eve. You see, this is the reason why when Christ was on the cross and they're going to break his legs, they didn't break his legs because bones represent connection. And the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, his wife, the second Eve, had to be connected. So bones represent connection. And the church came out of Christ, right? This as Eve came out of Adam. Therefore, no bones could be prophesied to be broken Because there could be no broken connection between Christ and us. What do you say, amen? But if there's this unity within the church, if there's unity between us and God, then if Christ did not have any broken bones or broken connection with us, then why is this connection within God's remnant church? Could it be possible that Eve, the second Eve, God's remnant church has broken bones this evening. Could that be possible, you think? Emotionally disconnected from one another. We're going to look at a story that reveals the relationships of the Jewish church back then. Because if we study the Jewish church, then we can parallel to the last days today to God's remnant church. So let's go back to Judges chapter 19 verse 2 some of you know this story already judges 19 but it's not too often talked about judges 19 verse 2 there was a man who had a concubine and i want you to notice what his concubine did judges 19 verse 2 the bible says and his concubine played the what whore against him And went away from him into her father's house to Bethlehem, Judah, and was there four whole months. You see, sex is an intimate act, it is a giving of ourselves physically, spiritually, and emotionally to another person. And that's why when you leave someone with whom you had sex with, you have emotional pain. That's what sex does. Therefore, the person who sleeps around with many different sex partners only does it because they purposely put in their mind that I don't want to get emotionally, what? Attached. Involved. So what they do is, they have to purposely, emotionally detach themselves from the person they're having sex with, right? So this woman, as we look into the culture of this time, this woman... For her to actually leave her husband, she had emotionally detached herself, emotionally separated herself, emotionally numbed herself to the feelings of her husband, left him, didn't care how he felt, left him, went out, and then to sleep around with many men. And the only way you can sleep around with many men, when actually the Bible says that whoever you sleep with, you become one. The only way you can do that is, you sleep with one man one night, and you sleep with another man the next night, and then another man the next night. The only way you can do that you must become emotionally disconnected or emotionally numb to the feelings of those around you, to your own heart. So you can see the culture already here in this story, and this is in God's Jewish church, His remnant church at that time. The Jewish church—you can see already in this first verse that there was emotional disconnection going on in this church, dysfunctional church. They were separated from one another. There was no unity. See, that's the dangers of porn, novels, romance, Disney movies, and even Facebook. (laughs) They emotionally detach us from the reality and the people who are near and closest to you and around you. True? You live in your own fantasy world. What did this man then do? Look at Judges 19 verse 3. And her husband arose and went after her to speak friendly unto her and to bring her again, having a servant with him and a couple of asses. And she brought him into her father's house. So he went to chase her and she took him into her father's house. And when the father of the damsel saw him, he rejoiced, the father rejoiced to see her daughter's husband. Now first of all, what godly father would allow her daughter to not only leave her husband, but move back home and become a whore, it says. What godly husband would do that who knew that it was wrong to do that, but he didn't stop her. But worse than that, not only did he not stop her, but he didn't know how to reason from cause to effect. In other words, I believe he didn't know how to truly stop her. Now we know that this woman lived a life probably of emotional disconnection. For from, from her childhood, she was seeking to be emotionally connected with her father. So that she would be filled with his love. But this never happened. So she spent her whole life, can you imagine? She probably spent her whole life searching for love in all of the wrong places. Looking for the emotional connection she never received from her father. And thus she thought she could get it in her husband, but it didn't work out. So she left her husband and she's looking for it again. And then she went for searching for the emotional connection in a relationship from, to another relationship. To another relationship. And she never was satisfied in the whole experience. And now that she was home again, her father still didn't know how to emotionally connect with her and that she continued to sleep around. In other words, if he was emotionally connected to his daughter, he would have been able to fill her love tank and then she would have been filled. This family was emotionally disconnected. A young woman shared her story. She said when she was eight years old, her father divorced her mother and she never knew her father she decided to write him a letter when she was older I mean around 8 years old, 9 years old she wrote a letter 9, 10 years old and she said, all in this letter she wrote this, she said I just want you to know about me dad I like hopscotch biology and dissecting things, you don't have to respond. But I just wanted to know about your daughter. Her letter came back un- unopened, with these words written across: "Return to Seno. Send no more letters." Tearfully, she described what happened because of her father's rejection. She said, "This I quote." She said, "Ever since then." I've sought acceptance for men through boyfriends. And then she said this, I hate it. I'm a feminist. And I still have this need to have acceptance for men. And that even makes sense. But his family wasn't the only ones who were emotionally disconnected. Look at verse 7. What did the father-in-law do over and over again? The Bible says that when a man rose up to depart, his father-in-law urged him, therefore, he lodged there again. You read his story? They were ready to leave, and then the, the father-in-law said, no, no, stay here. You know, in the, the oriental culture of the time, if you were, had a visitor, you would always plead for them to stay. But... It was unusual that he pleaded over and over and over again. Actually, six times he pleaded and he kept changing his plans and changing his plans. In fact, it was actually because he had changed the plans so many times that you notice that later on he got so frustrated, the man with his wife, that he said, oh, nope, I'm going to go. I said, no, it's, it's late in the day, it's at night. He said, nope, I'm still going to go. You know, this reveals that this man was longing to have the company of his son-in-law. He wanted them to at least spend a little bit time with them. He's longing for them to spend some quality time with them. But even though he pleaded with his son-in-law, they still left at a late hour. And in fact, it was this late hour leaving at such a bad hour that began the chain reaction that we're going to see later in this story. Now to have left at such a bad hour, this son-in-law must come to the point where he would just want to leave already. I mean, to leave at such a bad hour, you know it's a bad time for your family. He just wanted to leave and get out of there. And beloved, in the same way today, I see so many Seventh-day Adventists who are so emotionally disconnected from others that they don't have any friends. And just like this father, when you go and visit them, you want to leave even though it's a bad time. As they are emotionally draining to be around. You no, know, God wants us to be people who are able to emotionally connect with one another. What do you say, huh? Amen. I was at a men's retreat, and I was speaking and I called for appeal for healing at the men. And. This man came forward for healing and I was able to counsel him later. And I was talking with him and he shared with me and I knew him. He said, I really don't have any friends except for another person and you, Pastor. And I knew that it was pretty bad because I knew that our friendship was extremely shallow. He then told me that I didn't have a father growing up. And my mom, because after that divorce, was no longer wanting to be a mom, therefore I became her best friend. And thus I grew up never had, not only not having a father, but I grew up never having even a mother. And in fact, I felt like I was a father to my mother because she was acting irresponsible a lot of the times. And all the people I trusted, it hurt me, and therefore I, I built a wall all around me, and that's why I don't have any friends I want to heal from all of this And we knelt down and we prayed for God's love to heal him beloved there's healing found in the great physician Jesus Christ what do you say amen okay now because it was late at night where did they stop Judges 19 verse 15 go to verse 15 where did they stop the Bible says and he turned aside there to go in and to lodge in Gabir. And when he went in, he sat him down in the street of the city, for there was no man that took them into his house to lodging. You see, they, went, they were going to go to a heathen city. But let's not go to the non-Adventist town. Let's go to the Jewish town, the, one of the tribes of Israel's town. Let's go to the, one of God's people's town. We would be more accepted. But when they went to this town where it was expected for them to be taken in, they went to the town and walked in. But in the culture of that time where they're supposed to be taken in, no one took them in. Emotionally disconnected where they wouldn't even care about the guests, which was part of their culture at that time. But eventually there was an old man who wasn't even from that city who finally took them in. Then what happened next? Judges 19, verse 22 to 25. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, Now as they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, certain sons of Belial, beset the house round about and beat at the door and spake to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring forth the man that came into your house that we may know him or have sex with him. So they came and they surrounded the the house and they wanted to have sex with the the guests and they said, bring him out. We want to know him. We want to sleep with him. Now this is part of the remnant church of those days. And the man, the master of the house, went out unto them and said unto them, Nay, my brethren, nay, I pray you, do not so wickedly, don't do such a wicked thing, seeing that this man is coming to my house. Do not this folly. But notice what it says. Behold, here is my daughter, a maiden, and this guest fellow man's concubine. Them I will bring out now, and humble you them. Have sex with them. And do with them what seemeth good unto you. But unto this man do not sow a vile thing. Now, who in the right mind would offer up his daughter to be raped by men? I tell you who, only someone who's been emotionally numb to the feelings of his own daughter. True? True? You see, even the best man in the city was emotionally disconnected from his family. Now, because that didn't work, the Bible says in verse twenty-five, "But the men were not hearken unto him." So the men took his concubine. The man brought out his concubine, brought her forth unto them, and they knew her. They had sex with her. He said, "Here, take my concubine, and abuse her all night." until the morning. They raped her all night until the morning. And when the day began to spring, they let her go. Now what man in his right mind will allow his wife to be raped by vile men? I'll tell you who. Only someone who is emotionally numb to the feelings of his own wife. So not only was this woman emotionally separated from her husband, but this man was emotionally separated from his wife and disconnected. This was the spiritual condition of God's church at this time. And beloved, this is the spiritual condition of God's remnant church at this time. Beloved, this is the spiritual condition of our church of disunity, of being emotionally disconnected. I know this story is probably shocking to many of you. Sometimes a good shock is good. What do you say, huh? Amen? And you're going to see that in this story. It is actually good. I think when we think everything is great, we do nothing. I can tell you as one who works for the conference that we are great at sweeping things under the carpet. Sweeping things under the rug. We don't want anyone to know what's going on out there. We don't want anyone to go with our family and, and the problems. We don't want anyone to know what the problems are in the church. We don't want anyone to know the sins and the evil. We hush-hush everything. We keep everything quiet. I've served on the committees. I've, I'm on the executive committee for three terms. I know what's going on. Everything is hush-hushed and swept under in the church. But that's because everything is hush-hushed and swept under in the, in the home also. And we're not used to it. It shocks the senses hear of it today I was talking to a a lady that came up to me and she said pastor your sermon yesterday morning it just shocked me (laughs) I was just shocked by what you were saying said I went home that night and said I was tossing and turning because your sermon had so shocked me I I couldn't sleep until 1pm this morning but you know, sometimes I think we need a shock because otherwise, nothing's gonna change. Young girl in her 20s, we think nothing happens in our church, that everything's great, that God's Remnant Church is going great. But sometimes we need to see what's really going on. She came up for appeal, this young lady, on heating, and she shared a story with me of how her father, her own father had raped her cousin. And how I brought this unity within the family. And she asked, Could you please pray for, for my father? Would you please pray for my family. You please pray for my cousin's family and between each other. And then she said this, and please, could you please pray for the church? Because this man wasn't, my father was an elder in the church. That was the spiritual condition of Israel at that time, but that's the spiritual condition of our church today also. And Laodicea is rich and increased with goods, and we think we don't need anything. We think everything is going great in our church. We think that the church is only getting better. We brag about all the institutions and things we're doing. But when we look on the inside and we see the true condition of our church, we realize that there's something desperately wrong with our church. And they saw it back then in those days. They saw the emotional disconnection with one another. They didn't care about the feelings of other people. They didn't care about abusing the victims. They didn't care about hurting each other in the Jewish church that day. They didn't care about how each other felt. All they cared about was fulfilling what they wanted and the selfish desires of their heart. And, beloved, the same is true today, sadly, in our church. What did the man find at the front door the next morning? Look at verse 27 and 28. The Bible says, And the Lord rose up in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went out to go His way. And behold, the woman, His concubine, was falling down at the door of the house, and the hands were upon the threshold. And He said unto her, Up, let us be going. But there was no answer. Then the man took her up upon an ass, and the man rose up and got him unto his place. See, not only did it rape her and abused her all night, these vile men had ended up murdering his concubine in the Jewish church at that time. Now, how do people commit such violent crimes towards one another? You know, today you've seen such violent crimes. You've seen such wickedness. You've seen people pulling the guns out, shooting in the the theater. you see them shooting in the schools. You've seen a lot of people. And that's tragic enough and senseless enough. But what gets me is when you see them in the courtroom and there's absolutely no remorse for the abuse and pain they cause upon the victims and their family. True? We've seen a time in history where there's actually no conscience for killing And people are becoming emotionally disconnected from one another. America's coming to a point where it's not even safe. Right before I came here, there was that man jogging, right? like From Australia, he was jogging. Remember that story? And they caught the kids who did it in a speeding cam. And they shot him. He ended up dying. And the policeman asked, why did you shoot him? He said, we're just... Randomly shooting because we felt really like shooting and killing someone today. Emotionally numb. Americans become emotionally numb to the feelings of those and all around us. The reason why they have no conscience is because they have been emotionally detached themselves from others. For just like these violent men, they have emotionally detached themselves from the feelings of their victims. And thus, they have no feelings when they hurt their victims. Now, the reason why they become emotionally disconnected is because when they were raised up in their homes, they were emotionally disconnected from their parents. And thus, not to get hurt anymore, they build up that wall. They don't want to be wounded anymore. So, they only lose more and more of their conscience. And you know what, beloved? In the last days, we prophesy that the love of many will grow cold, true? And it's going to create people and it's creating a whole new generation where the parents are so busy working two, three jobs and both parents working. There is no time, a quality time with the children. You're only going to see more and more increases of this crime. And to solve the problem dealing with the symptom by just throwing these people in jail is not going to solve the problem. True? We need to go back and fix the homes. What do you say? Amen? That's where the solution, the root cause, is really found. See, because they were not loved, they commit violent crimes. Look at your handout here. I want you to see that handout. So when you have lack of unconditional love, it creates emotional disconnection between one another, which ultimately leads to no conscience. And when you have no conscience, emotionally disconnected from one another, You become emotionally numb when you hurt someone. That's exactly what's happening in America. But beloved, we don't have to wait to commit a violent crime before we realize that we're emotionally disconnected. For whenever we hurt someone without feeling bad about it, we are revealing that we are emotionally detached. We are emotionally detached when we get a divorce or we break up from a boyfriend or girlfriend and we say, I don't care if they leave. We're emotionally numb and detached when we don't want to hear another person's perspective of truth and then we say, I don't care what they think. We're emotionally detached when we get a disagreement with someone at work or a disagreement with someone at church and then we say he or she deserved it. We're emotionally numb to how the other people are feeling. We're emotionally detached to how our fellow church members and how they're feeling and what we say to them. We have become a nation of emotionally numb people. What did this man then do? Look at verse 29. The Bible says, so he got home, and when he was coming to his house, he took a knife and laid hold on his concubine And divided her together with her what? Bones. There it is again. Bones. So he took her body, this woman, and separated into 12 tribes. What do you think, 12? Why do you think he separated into 12 tribes? (laughs) 12 sections, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 pieces, and sent her into all the coasts of Israel. He wanted, this was a statement. He wanted to send the body of his murdered concubine, cut it into 12 pieces, and he wanted to send it to all of Israel because he wanted to make a statement. He wanted to make a statement that all would know that this body or this woman who represented the church, the bones were dissected and broken, that there was emotional disconnection. It was a sign. It was an act. This act showed that this is what's happening in Israel. Everything that happened in this whole story revealed that all of Israel was emotionally disconnected in a Jewish church. And he wanted everyone to see this. Beloved, the events that's happening now in our churches today, in God's remnant church, reveals to us now that God's church has broken bones. For God's church today is full of disunity and fragmentation. You see, it wasn't the event of sending the body of broken bones throughout all of Israel that brought this unity to the Jewish church. No, the sending of the body of the broken bones was just an event to reveal what was already happening in Israel. And beloved, in the same way, this year's SWIC of calling to spiritual Israel's attention that this unity that is found within a church is not the start of disunity. This, this conference is not a conference that's going to bring disunity. This conference, this year, is a proclamation of disunity within a church. It's just a recognition of the disunity that has already been going on in our church for a very long, long time. What do you say, amen? Beloved, we are a divided church. And if there a time where we need a unity within our church, beloved, that time is now. What do you say, church, amen? Now, how did Israel react? Look at verse 30. And it was so that all that Saul had said, there was no such deed done or seen from the day that the children of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt. until this day, we have never seen anything like this. This is crazy. How can they be so emotionally disconnected from one another? How can they be so emotionally numb to the feelings of hurting one another? They don't even care about one another. How could they ever come to this condition of God's Remnant church at this time. And then they said, What we need to do? Consider of it. Let's we need to consider what happened. We need to reflect and contemplate what's going on in our church. We need to take advice. We need to counsel and talk. What is our plan of action? What do we need to do? And then we need to speak your minds. What do you say? Amen. We need to speak out of what's going on in our church and the disunity that's happening within. We must do that and we know that Israel gathered together and they came and they destroyed that wicked city. They did something about it, beloved. What did he say, amen? You know, God allowed this situation. Many people have asked me, why in the world did God put this story in the Bible? Right? How many of you ever wondered that question? Let me see your hand. Why in the world did God put this story in the Bible? Why? It was a call for them to wake up. For tragic times calls for drastic actions. What do you say, amen? And they were called to action. And God was saying, Israel, my beloved people, it's time to wake up. And in the same way, this weekend has been a battle cry for all of spiritual Israel to wake up. And sometimes you have to make a startling decree before you arouse people to action. Because otherwise it's going to be business as usual. We're going to continue on what we're doing and we're going to be content and happy with our pathetic condition of our churches and pretending all along that everything's great and we have the best church in the world. Why? Because we're God's remnant church and we have the truth. Fooling ourselves that really we're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. What do you say? Amen? As long as you think we're great and good and in need of nothing, why would we ever change? So, God has brought this story for the Jewish church to realize it was time for change. The more emotionally disconnected America becomes, the more intense the national Sunday law will become. Why? Because the more emotionally disconnected America becomes, and there's more people with no conscience the more violent crimes that's going to happen. The more violent crimes happens, the more the movement of the religious right is going to be saying, we need to bring God back into America once again. The more they say, we need to bring God back into America again, the more they're going to want to legislate Morality on the outside. And the more they want to legislate morality on the outside, the more easier it's going to be to push the national Sunday law in the last days. And that's where we' are, other people, here in the last days. But beloved it, you cannot legislate morality on the outside. But instead, what you can do is give to people unconditional love, a love that they do not have, a love they have not experienced, and then lead them to the the true master who has unconditional love. And when they had that unconditional love, they would then want to legislate morality. But not on the outside, they were going to want to legislate morality in their own hearts. What do you say, amen? And that's the gospel of religious liberty God has given to our church. We are not only disconnected as a church, but we are disconnected from one another. In fact, our disconnection as a church reveals we are disconnected as individuals. Look at your handout. Notice what it says on the last quote. If we have unity in the church, we must first have it in the what? Home. Ah, talking about unity this weekend. For it is from the home that the church is formed. What do you say? Amen? Do you see the emphasis on why the home is so important? Because the church is made out of the home. And the tempers and dispositions displayed in the family circle are the tempers and dispositions found in the what? Church. So reason from cause to effect. A well-ordered family is powerful influence for good in the world. You know, I used to think that, okay, as a pastor, this is the church. And, you know, we're so conditioned, we just deal with the symptoms, okay? So the church is bad. Okay, what do I need to do? I need to work with the church and do plan a lot of programs and get the people busy and get them involved in doing outreach and evangelism and prayer and Bible study and handing out tracts and corporating and and Bible work and all these different things. Get them done working over here dealing with the symptoms and you know you can plan programs and get them so busy and they can be doing it and doing it and doing it but you know what that is a false unity that's a symptom you need to go trace from cause to effect and go back to the root cause over here which inspiration says is found in the what oh I once used to believe when I first started off I was an AY leader I was a youth pastor youth AY leader working for a church and I was on a church board and I came to the conclusion that we don't really need youth ministry because I would counsel and help these young people and they'll feel better. But you know what? They'll go home that night, come back the next day emotionally depressed once again. It's like the, the faucet is running and it's overflowing and you're mopping at the floor. But what should we be really doing is we should be turning off the what? The faucet. You know what we really need, God's church needs today? Parent ministry. What do you say, amen? Child guidance ministry. What do you say, amen? That is the root cause solution to God's church. I had shared with you yesterday... A time in my ministry where I was so busy. I had no time for my wife or my daughter. I share with you, I used to come leave in the morning when my daughter was sleeping, come home when she was sleeping. And that's bad enough. But you know what the worst part of it all? That I become emotionally numb to how my daughter felt about that and emotionally numb to how my wife felt about that. Does anyone follow me or understand with me? There was a wake-up call. Like, wait a minute! I need to focus on my family. My family is first priority. If the church is made out of the, the home, then I need to have a good home for an elder who can't take care of his own home. How can he take care of the house of God? The Bible says, right? So I must take care of my home. I must focus upon that's the true ministry. That's my first priority. That's my first ministry. Take care of the home, and if everyone would take care of the homes. then the church will take care of itself. What do you say? Amen? But not only are our family and friends who have been emotionally disconnected from us us, and we disconnected ourselves from them, but we have also emotionally disconnected ourselves from God. We have emotionally numb ourselves to His feelings. So much so that we don't feel any remorse whenever we sin. The Bible says that uh, whenever we sin, we crucify afresh and put to open shame Jesus Christ on the cross again. In other words, every time we sin, we hurt the heart of God. But now that we're emotionally disconnected from one another, we've come to the point that whenever we sin, we we don't even care we hurt the heart of God. There is no conscience in hurting the heart of God. We're emotionally numb to hurting the heart of God. And that's what exactly what the important part of what sin really is. When you become eventually to the point where you're completely numb to the feelings of God and feel no remorse for how your sin hurts God, then you will have no spiritual conscience and thus your probation will close. Beloved, God's love is the only thing that can, can heal. What do you say? Amen? We need to look at the cross, the cross of Calvary reveals his love to us. At the cross, it reconnects us back to the thoughts and feelings of God. And when we finally become connected with God and we see that he was hurt and he was wounded so that you and I could be saved and that, wow, he loves me so much that I want to give my heart to him because he's just a wonderful God. We will give up our sins and surrender it all to Jesus. I want to do that. How about you, amen? And we see the love of God. We'll break down the walls. Our self-worth will go up. We're not going to be concerned with what everyone thinks about you. You become transparent. You become real, and then you become emotionally connected with one another. Not be afraid of being hurt once again. I want God to reveal His thoughts and feelings of love to me. How about you? This evening I want to close with a song that Kathleen's going to sing. Drastic actions call for drastic measures. We don't want to leave here the same person. What do you, I don't want to leave here the same person. How about you? Amen? It's time for change. So Kathleen's going to sing a song called Renew Me. Renew me and change my heart. Make me new and prepare me for what's ahead as we go out we become agents for change so I'm going to make an appeal that's Kathleen sings if you want to be part of this God's movement and God's church remnant church make an appeal that you would stand as Kathleen sings and say Lord take me I want to serve you with all my heart I want to be emotionally connected with you and one another. We like that. And when everything. Stand as she sings. Father, we want to love you better than this. We want to love you better than what we've been giving. Lord, at this time in history, may spiritual will wake up. It's time for drastic actions. Father, we're disconnected from you. Connect us once again. Heal the broken bones of our church. Father, we disconnected from one another. Heal our broken relationships in our homes so that the broken relationship in our churches may heal. Father, everyone who stood, seal the commitments. God, do something in our hearts. Something drastic and sinning broken body broken woman the broken body of christ a warning message to all whatever it takes lord to wake up your people lord may you use us as a vessel that lord it's time to get prepared for what's about to come upon this world an overwhelming surprise lord we're grateful for these meetings and we're so grateful for you we know your presence was here this weekend and may our hearts, Lord, continue to beat in unison as we work together to finish our work. So, Lord, bless us as we depart, but keep us in unity. It is our prayer in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.